Greetings and welcome back to MTG Profits. We are recording episode four, and uh, my name is Devin, and I'm joined by Andy. Hi, everybody. And uh, this is a podcast about Magic the Gathering, and our primary focus is about uh, buying and selling cards, making a profit on that transaction, how that's done, our selections regarding those cards, and uh, also general magic news as well, so we get a little bit of, hopefully, topics of interest, and uh, and uh, that's kind of what we're all about. Yeah, so that sums it up, and I, I think we've got several things in the news to talk about. Yeah, yeah, we're going to try, and uh, another thing we may we discussed a little bit earlier was we're going to try to keep it a little bit short and sweet, and maybe not get as rambly as we sometimes can get, so we're going to try to tighten it up a little bit, and... Um, and see how it goes. We do have a couple of couple of news bits today. And um, did you want to talk about your news item, Andy, or you want me to fire it up? Sure, I can, I can go first here. Uh, one thing that's been in the news lately, you know, as regards the the tournament scene, and there's always tournaments going on. It seems like there's a tournament every month for some sort of magic event. Uh, there was one recently in Las Vegas. Uh, I believe it was a was it a Grand Prix? It might be Worlds. I think it's Worlds. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. It's Worlds. And uh, something unusual happened at this tournament. One of the, the pro Magic players, Gary Thompson, ended up protesting the tournament. And he is a uh, two-time winner of Magic's Grand Prix. And he had earned first place at a pro tour. And he protested the, this Grand Prix in, in Vegas and didn't compete. And he was protesting it because he felt that the Magic Pros should be better compensated for their role uh, for playing the game. So there's a lot of debate on, is this true? Should they be paid more? This is something that definitely the, uh, the pros and the community have uh, a lot of opinions on. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I think... Uh... Some of his, uh, I guess some of his reasons were, did, did he list any of the reasons? I'm sure he must have. He did have a statement. I mean, he, he wanted to know that the, the, you know, that the player base cares about these issues and they're going to sacrifice things. Um, I think he, he felt that they just weren't compensated for the, what they did. I, I think that's, I think that's probably true. I think they... I think Wizards kind of goes back and forth on this a lot. I think they kind of have a love-hate relationship with the with the Pro Tour in general. You know, a lot of people consider the Pro Tour to be like the professional, you know, like a professional Magic League or a professional tour, but it's actually, as far as Wizards is concerned, more of a promotional tool mm -hmm. that they use to promote uh, 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 standard play. You know, standard sure. is the... You know the cards that Wizards wants to sell. They want you cracking packs, and standard is the is the way to do that. So they really want to promote standard play. And um, and I, I think you know at one point, I if I recall, it was it a year or two ago they had decided to pull the plug on the Pro Tour. I think, and um, I don't remember all the details there, but I do remember there was a decent amount of backlash, and they uh, sort of changed their mind and and, and kept it. And uh, they wanted to essentially stop paying all prizes for Pro Tour. And, and, um, and uh, you know, I think they realized that swiftly that that was not well received. So I, I think they'd like to get rid of it if they could, but I, I think they have a hard time getting rid of it. So they, they take a, a bit of a half-assed approach to, uh, 
to the pro tour. I think they they probably don't compensate. It's like if you're if you don't take first place, you're not really coming away with any prize of value. Exactly. You really have to be in the top to really make any money at it. I yeah. think um, I think in this one the the prize pool was like three hundred thousand dollars, but the only number one made a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. And the rest was divvied up from there. I think. Yeah, it's like the top sixteen or so, and then not yeah. even. I think they, they, there's not a lot of money to be made here. I don't think it's. You know, I, I think if they if they want to have a promotional tour, they should have a promotional tour. They should fund it appropriately. You know, give people that that want to play the game at the highest levels, give them a goal to reach for, you know, and, um, you know, because then at that rate you would have, you know, teams of players really dedicated, you know, and, and they would they would take the time, take the effort to be the best because they could actually, you know, potentially do that as their job. Sure. You know, you have a lot of you have a lot of other games like you know even like video games and stuff. Yeah. Like you have these you know Overwatch players and you have yep. like uh, League of Legends players. You have these sure. teams like these guys like that is their job. You know sure. they aspire to be the best, and by the time they are the best, they are actually compensated for being the best, and yeah. they can actually uh, and and that sort of seems to work for them you know it's it's relatively cheap advertising you know as far as mm -hmm. as far as advertising costs go you know you have this you know promotional tour of professional players and yeah these guys you know make you know good money for what they do but it doesn't really cost the company all that much money so they you know, yeah i think it's probably a pretty good deal for them and i mean that that's where my mind went is too as soon as you started talking you know about the the pros and and magic is is the compare it now to what really seems to be a rise in all these esports, especially like Overwatch and League of Legends and and these other ones. Uh, and the the they're getting so much more attention with their tournaments and big prize payouts for those. It, it seems like playing Magic would almost be something that would be you know deserve equal payouts being. You would think, like an established game, yeah. More established, it's it's. I would almost argue more more challenging, more difficult because there's a little more mental uh, play at work. You know? It's it's definitely uh, more complicated and 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 you know than something like Hearthstone or things of that nature. Yeah. Although I think in some cases, you know, these esports are fantastic, but I I do think that sometimes. The magic is a little boring to watch. You know, I, I think yeah, it's really like tough to watch true. that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here. In all honesty, I'm not going to sit here and watch people play magic. It's a great game to play, but it's terrible to watch. <laughs> yeah, you know, honestly, I can't say I've sat down and maybe watched a whole match of magic. I might have watched highlights here and there, but not like a whole yeah. tournament or, or, you know, maybe I'd watch a certain certain match that was the the final or something but uh, yeah, otherwise even that i totally agree it's it's not like something it's exciting to watch you know it's yeah. like the cards are hard to see you know and that's another thing like they should if, if wizards wants to to do that they should really they should do it well you know they should they should have commentators that that you know know the game that describe what's happening and what the player is doing you should be able to see what the player's cards are not like from the you know, a, a picture taken from the freaking satellite where you can't yeah. even see what the cards are. I don't know if you've ever watched some of these, like, these streams, but, like, huh? you can't even tell what the cards are in these guys' hands. Unless, yeah. I, I mean, 
they should have like a nice zoom in of each guy's hand, like side by side, so you can look at what these guys have in their hands, and you can kind of go through the process as a magic player. You, sure. You know, you're you're seeing these things from so far away. It, it, it's really it's really tough. It's almost like if you were going to watch a sport like, you know, like I don't know, take your pick, hockey or baseball, sure. or, or but like. The ball is so small, you can't even see where it is. Yeah. You know, like, who wants to watch that? Yeah. You know, no all your... Jumbotrons, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it's the same thing for Magic. At least that's my impression. It's like, yeah. I love the game. I've been playing it forever. And even I'm sitting here looking at these guys. I'm like, what the hell card is he holding? I can't even see what it is. It's yeah. a red card. Yeah. You know? So they, they could, like, production value is so bad. Wizards should do such a better job on that. You'd think they they would have had that all pretty down by now. And I think maybe to, to some end, too, a lot of the other companies have that down. Like Star City, I mean, I know they do a lot of production and recordings of these things. And... You know, it's really sad. Like, they, they do such a better job, and they're not Wizards of the Coast. You yeah. know, Wizards of the Coast has Hasbro behind them. They have the money. They have the wherewithal. They have the ability to advertise in this fashion, and they don't do as good a job as some of these third-party you know, sellers or uh, purveyors of cards, which is really kind of sad when you think about it, you know. I guess another thing, too, makes me think is, you know, these these tournaments, I guess these are, I guess the prize, the payout, is exclusively funded by Wizards of the Coast. Is that I be- Yeah, I believe it is, yeah. But is the tournament itself actually hosted by Wizards of the Coast? It is, I think, in these cases. In yeah. these cases, I know. Because mm-hmm. I know it seems like for a number of the Grand Prix, especially the ones that we've been at, you know, it was a third party that actually hosted the tournament. Yeah, that is correct. All the, the GPs are usually, uh, Wizards will contract that out. So I think, for example, Channel Fireball has all the GPs now or sure. some such. And um, so Channel Fireball, run, you know, they rent the location, they order all the product, they they sell vendor space, you know, they um, they essentially run the entire process. And, um, you know, and I think they are responsible for the prize payout and things of that nature. Yeah. So, you know, they get the judges. So Wizards doesn't really do a whole heck of a lot when it comes to the GP. But I think for worlds where they have invites and things of that nature, uh, Wizards is actually putting the bill for the prize money on that one. But, you know, the thing about the prize money is I think Wizards is thinking, oh, it's a slippery slope. If we start paying big payouts to these guys, you know, they're going to want more and more. And and, and where where does it stop? You know, I understand that. But but I think they're not seeing the big picture because if there was enough of a following, if people were interested enough, what would happen is you would get outside sponsors. Mm -hmm. You know, you'd get, for example, if you had like a a famous player, you know, or or, you know. These top end players, you know, Ultra Pro might sponsor them if they played with their Ultra Pro sleeves or, you know, or like a play mat or something, you know, take your pick. You know, it could be, you know, sleeves, it could be clothing, you know, the guy could be wearing, you know, who knows, you know, he could be wearing some logo, yeah, yeah, some some hat or something, I don't know. But I mean, you could have, you know, sponsors. You know that that would come out of the woodwork. Wizards wouldn't necessarily have to pay all these people as long as there was a venue for them to compete at a high level and get eyeballs on these guys. Yeah. You know, then they would be their sponsors would 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 pop up. You know, sure. So, yeah, it, I, I think to, like I guess going too back to, to Thompson and his comments. One of the other things he said was that uh, they don't pay professional players a living wage. Uh, if the goal is to to play on the pro tour, you should be something to make it worth achieving that. 
Yeah, uh, and, I, and I don't know the that lack it's, of reward at the top. Yeah, and I don't think it's Wizards' job to pay like anybody's wage or any of that. I I think they do need to make the prize useful and meaningful, and not just to one or two guys that take yeah. the you know the top two slots or whatever. So. I think it comes back to, and you mentioned this earlier, that it really comes down to what is Wizards, I guess, business plan or business intent. I mean, is it is it really to have tournaments as a promotional tool that they want to grow and expand on? Or is that not really where they're focused? I mean, do they want to just focus on sales of the product and, you know, go that route? I think they want their cake and eat it, too. You know, I think they, I think they yeah. want to... I think they would like the promo- the pro tour to be like a huge success without putting any money into it. Yeah. You know, and I think you can't really have it. I don't think you can have that. It just doesn't work. So, yeah, I think that's only. I mean, if I, it seems like wizards, and if I was wizards, I, I'd focus on what makes me the most money. And if that's just selling product, then that's what I'm yeah. going to be primarily concerned with. Yeah. And 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 speaking of selling product, that sort of segues into our our next news item. That just worked out perfectly, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. The uh, the next uh, newsworthy item, and this has been talked about on uh, several places. Uh, I know Rudy at Alpha Investments talked about this, and I think the Goldfish also has some articles about this. But uh, there's a little bit of a, a furor of sort of uh, building up around Wizards direct selling on Amazon, and. Um, you know, they, Wizards has essentially come out and said that they will be uh, selling booster boxes directly uh, to Amazon, and they've actually already delivered, I want to say, the first 100,000 boxes of Core Core 2019 to Amazon, so they've got, you know, pallets of this stuff there. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be something. And, uh, you know, Wizards' reasoning is uh, to, I think the way they put it was to provide cards in a place where people want to buy them okay. and uh, basically bringing the cards to the people so that people that don't have an LGS can buy their cards and get them from Amazon. And um, I don't know if you're, if you've ever bought cards on Amazon, I, I have. And um, are you talking individual cards or product? Most or, boxes, or boxes, like box, boxes. Yeah. Really like sealed that. product. Yeah. This is how Wizards will be selling it. They'll be selling a sealed product directly to Amazon, bypassing both distributors and local game stores. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, you could easily right now just go to Amazon, type in, you know, Journey to Next Booster Box, and you'll see, you know, reasonable prices for booster boxes. And they're not being directly sold by Wizards. They're being sold by local game stores. Sure. You know, on Amazon using an Amazon seller central account. So uh, boxes have always been available on Amazon, so it's sort of a an unfortunate argument that they make. They say, oh, we just want to bring the product to the people. Yeah. Well, the product's already there. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's uh, it's sort of another just, you know, straight-out money grab for Wizards. They, they they can sort of cut out the middleman and, and yeah. um, you know, make more money. And I think, you know, they're all about the profit, and I think... I think at the expense of the local game store. Sure. You know, I, I think, you know, and, and again, this is this is a pretty obvious thing to see. That so we've have had in September the rising cost of booster boxes yeah. at the distributor level. So we're already, you know, up in the 80s from a from a cost standpoint for the stores. And uh, Wizards is currently has a core 19 booster boxes for sale on Amazon.com for. Uh, 
It's currently the lowest price by uh, 50 cents. No. Well, imagine if you're the guy buying, if you're the LGS, you're the local game store, and you're buying them for 80, you know, say 80, 82 to $84 a box. Sure. You know, shipping that box costs $6 with the, uh, you know, that's about as cheap as you can ship it. Mm -hmm. So just shipping the box, not even paying any fees, any seller fees, is going to bring you, you're actually going to be losing money instantly. The moment you sell a box, and that's not even taking into account the the 10 to 12% you're going to lose on fees. You know, whether it's Amazon or eBay or TCG Player, you're going to pay about 10% in fees by the time you're done. So if you're selling a box for 90 bucks, take $9 off, you're at 82 bucks, take 6 bucks off, you know, you're already at, you know, $76 and you had to pay $84 to get that product. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that that isn't sustainable. No, so, no. I, I guess if, could you get ahead on that, though, if you buying a quantity and, and shipping it all at once? You know, you can, but only to a limited degree. So, you know, essentially the lowest possible cost, I think, that you're going to be able to buy a box for is $82. It used to be about 70 I want to say 75 to 77 and okay. the price is jacked up about $5. So, um, so we're talking like low 80s is about as good as it gets. So you, in order to really profit and sell boxes at $90 and make money, you'd really have to be getting them in the 50s. You know, yeah. your, your cost of goods sold is going to have to be, you know, you're going to have to be able to market, mark that up about 40%. You know, typical retail markup, uh, like if you go into like your average, you know, like a JC Penney's or something like that, sure. they're, they're charging 53, 53% markup on just about everything they sell. And that's mm-hmm. pretty much across the board. It's typical for retail. And, uh, most anything you buy, you go buy some tires. Those tires have been marked up 50%, oh, you know. Yeah more than you know more than one time you know so you know the manufacturer is selling that tire for eighteen dollars and they're selling it to a distributor or however they're doing that for 30 you know 36 bucks it hurts to think when you're the things that you buy have been priced up so extensively but by the time they get to you usually about twice and usually about 50 percent each time so it's pretty typical that still adds up yeah it does but, uh, you know, that's how business is done. That's how you have the convenience sure. of, you know, having all these things. That's how you go and you buy. You go to the grocery store and there's your potato chips, that brand that you want. You, boom, you pick it right up. There's my Cheetos or whatever. Yeah. You know, you, you we, we're paying for that luxury. And, and as a consumer, too, you know, looking at boxes, I mean, obviously I'm going to want to pay the cheapest price. So oh, yeah. if it's, you know, through eBay, if it's, you know, local game store, if it's on Amazon... I'm going to look around and I'm going to pick which one's the cheapest and, and most convenient. And yeah. if Amazon's it's a, you work. know, pretty, pretty close in price, wow, Amazon, you know, two day delivery, you know, $92 for Journey to Nix. Uh, you know, maybe I'll just do that. Yeah, right to my Easy door. Enough. Yeah, yeah, right to my door. I'll get it. You know, it's a pretty competitive price. Hey. Uh, and it fun. saves you the trouble of going into your local game store. Which is, exactly. which is brutal for the local game store. You know, they, they really want that foot traffic. You know, not that they're getting rich selling cards, but, uh, just the foot traffic really helps because while you're there, you may buy some sleeves. And sure. guess what the markup is on sleeves? It's probably 50%. Yeah, <laughs> so, sure you know, yeah, they're making, you know, my, the, the guy in my LGS says his, mo- the most profitable item that he sells is water. 
So, uh, you know, he yeah, says that, uh, you know, he'll buy a case of, a case of water from Costco for three bucks. And, you know, each, each bottle of water is costing him eight cents and he sells them for a dollar. People are happy to buy them. You know, the profit margin on that is stellar. So he sure. says he'd, he'd love to sell water all day. And it's a really sad state of affairs when, and I don't know if you've seen this locally, but here in my local game store, the, um, they, they, they're a great store. They do a really wonderful job. And what they're doing now is opening a cafe. Like literally. Sure. Like they're, they, they're, they're expanding and they're not expanding their play space. They're expanding next, next door and they're opening a cafe. So mm-hmm. it's going to be like boards and brews. They're going to have beer and coffee and, and, um, and because that's where the money is, you know. Sure. But it's a ridiculous state of affairs that you're trying to sell a product that you're trying to sell a game and your inability to charge what you need to survive has been so decimated that you can't even sell your core product and 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 make money you know that exactly exactly that seems to have really been a, a critical blow here to the, the the local game stores i mean if and i think you know we we've mentioned that the the game stores a lot of their profit you know i guess in the past and maybe not so much going forward that has come from sales of magic cards. Yeah. It was always a product that sort of sold itself, you know. They could have some other items in there that may have been higher profit margin, but the, you know, but the money, the income and the outgo and the ability to move, move those products and, and move the magic products per se, you know, has, has, has been the foundation for a lot of these local game stores for, for, Honestly, for many, many years now, you know, the, these comic book shops and a lot of them, you know, a lot of would carry magic because it would help, it would help them survive. But, um, that seems to be, uh, Wizard seems to be strongly moving away from that, uh, that support. And, uh, I think it's really a shame because, uh, the, you know, these guys that, these guys that are running these local game stores, these guys are not, you know, making and bank. The, you know, these guys oh, are not yeah. getting rich with these stores. This is like a labor of love, and I, I think they love games, they love magic, sure. and I think they should be supported because they're part of the fabric that has promoted and grown this game to the to the great game that it is. And I, I think without these guys, the game wouldn't be anywhere, or at Absolutely. least it would be, you know, it would be dramatically less than it than it currently is. But um, it's a it's a real shame, I think, and I I'm I, I'm against the idea of selling direct to the consumer when they've built their entire business model around the local game store. I think it's it's sort of a, a stab directly in the back of a yeah, lot of these Yeah, it definitely game seems like a just a slap in the face there for the the local game store. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah. you know, I wish it wasn't that way, but. Um, you know, if you're a local game store owner, you may need to start looking elsewhere. Start selling more food. Get some yeah, Cheetos yeah, to sell. I guess start sell that water, I guess. Yeah, sell the water. <laughs> exactly. Maybe magic isn't a thing for you anymore. Yeah, that's a shame. That's but, I guess the one, one thing to note, though, too, about... Well, you, you could buy a box of uh, M19, let's say, on Amazon. But you're not going to get, for example, the, the buy a box promos that would come with that. That's true. That's true. And, and you know, the, that's a whole other discussion there. But um, I think part of the problem with the buy a box promos is the uh, 
the way they've been, been mishandled by a lot of local game stores. The good ones, you know, they they sell them. You know, they'll, they'll pocket them or they'll give out half of the amount they're supposed to and then uh, sell the rest on eBay. So I, I think that... Yeah, means, there, you know, there has definitely been some... A lot of shady stuff. shenanigans there. And you know the problem is? They've almost been forced into a corner to do that, I think, in some cases, because, you know, some of these Wizards Play Network exclusive items that used to be bread and butter mm -hmm. items like Master Sets and, you know, Commander and things of that yep. nature that, you know, you used to only be able to get these, you know, the, the From the Vault series. But from the Vault, that's just, yeah. yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Yeah, yeah. you almost, you only be able to get those from the LGSs, but now, you know, now you can get Master's packs in, uh, in Walmart and, you know, so, so I think they're de they're desperate. I don't think they're they're trying to pocket the sales from from these cards to to, to rip the the consumer off. Although that is the end result, I, I think they're just desperate for that extra fifteen dollars or ten dollars, and they, and they're getting ten of these things for free or twenty of them, and so yeah. they can give ten out and sell ten. And I, I think it's a desperation move, and I, I think that's why it's done. Uh, you know, I, I think realistically, a buy a box promo card should be done the way they do it in other games like Force of Will and these Bushy Road games, where the the, the buy a box promos inside the booster box. Yeah. You know, you crack a box of Force of Will, oh, the, yeah, the, yeah. the 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 promo is in the box, yeah. so the local game store can't uh, cheat you. But sure. um, but uh, I do think that yeah, I think it, I think it's a desperation move by the local game stores in the unfortunate ones to do so. And I think it's the wrong thing to do. I understand why they do it. They shouldn't yep. do it. But, um, but, um, so yeah. what do you think is going to happen, for example, with like from the vault sets? You know, I think what was it originally the, the MSRP for some of those was only like, yeah, 30, 34 dollars or yeah. so. Is that now just going to jump up by nature to, you know, higher prices? Yeah. Because, I guess well, presumably it's going to be on Amazon, right? So, well, I'm not going to go it, for 34 on Amazon. You know, I'm not sure if they're going to offer all those products on Amazon. I think it, at this point it's just booster boxes. So I don't think they're specifically selling all their Wizards Play Network items on Amazon. Those have always been a limited print run item as well, and that's what's that's what's caused them. Know, to it looks like Amazon does have the from the vault sets. I think those are from uh, those are probably from local game store third party sellers though. Maybe because they're not they're it's only going to be current print run items that Wizards is going to be direct selling. I guess so, yeah, that's another question. Where what is the kind yeah, of the, these, the scope of their product? Yeah, these from the vaults are um, third parties. Yeah, they are. These are coming from uh, like Japan Quality Shop, Game Coma. You know, authorized store U.S. Whatever that means. Okay. But uh, so these are already third parties. We'll, we'll, we'll have to keep our eye on that and see yeah. where this all goes. But yeah. it's just it's another coffin nail for these poor LGSs. I yeah, think. absolutely. But um, I know we're we're already kind of going a little bit long. But um, did you want to hit maybe two picks? I think. Uh, Maybe two and a bonus pick at this point, and then round it out. Sure, let's let's do that. So, um, so we'll move on uh, to the always, finances. Kind of, like, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. I, I was well, I just say. So, as out. always, we kind of want to include, and, and typically toward the end, after some news, are definitely picks. So, what magic card should you be buying? What should you sell? What do we suggest that you go ahead and pick up? So, we're, I think today we're going to do two picks and then a bonus pick. Sounds good.
So Devin, you want to go first, and what's your sure, your first pick? Sure. Yeah, and you know what? You 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 said something in your in your uh, you just mentioned uh, when to buy and when to sell. So far, we've only talked about cards that we're we're picking up. We're yeah. talking about cards we're buying. As uh, as time goes by and as we expand the scope, we're going to definitely talk about what to sell, when to sell it, and for what price. And um, of course, that always depends on what you pick it up for, but. The, uh, it'll be an integral part of what we do so that people sort of have a sense for, uh, you know, when to sell these things. And we're going to go over how to do that as well. In Absolutely. So. Good, good point. Because, yeah, it's just as important. Buying this stuff is great, but ultimately you need to sell it if you want to make any money. That's exactly right. So, um, my, uh, my first pick of the week is, uh, is a, essentially a commander staple. It is used in just about every single green commander deck in existence, and that card is Beast Within. So uh, Beast Within is a fantastic card. It does things that green cards don't usually do. It destroys any permanent. So we're talking about uh, you know enchantments, artifacts, you know, creatures, you know lands. This destroys anything you want for three mana at instant speed. You know, the, the, the quote-unquote drawback is they're going to get a 3-3 beast creature token for their trouble, but uh, that is usually sort of a non-issue when you're talking about some brutal enchantment that's got you down. Uh, this card al always uh, sort of increases in value when it gets printed, and um, its most recent printing hammered the price. It actually uh, had two recent printings, which uh, really helped drop the price dramatically. Uh, re uh, relatively recently, at least I can remember, this card was a three-dollar card. Sure. And uh, when uh, I want to say, I want to say it was New Phyrexia that it was originally came out, and um, right. and uh, it's just a great card. But it was recently reprinted in uh, Conspiracy Two, uh, Take the Crown, yep. and uh, that dropped it a bit. And um, the second printing in Battle Bond really hammered the price on this card. So uh, this card can be had for around sixty cents right now. Wow, that's great! Uh, it is a great deal, and uh, so I would be picking these up anywhere, anywhere honestly below, anywhere below, honestly anywhere below seventy cents. You know, because this is a card that you wait until it gets up to two bucks, and then you and then you get rid of it. Maybe even a buck eighty, yeah. but. Um, it's used all over the place. Anytime you can play this card, you're going to have this card in your deck if you're green. And uh, it's as simple as that. Great commander staple. Nice. Yeah. So that's my, one of my, my pick for the week. Cool. So pick up Beast Within. Beast Within. That's right. Nice. You know, when I was taking a look at cards this week, one thing that, that made me think was the rotation that's coming up. So if you follow Magic, you know that card, different cards rotate in and out of play, and, and particularly in their standard, uh, I guess, play play style, where only certain sets are played uh, for a given amount of time. So we're going to have a, a rotation out of standard. And I guess, I think they're doing it now once a year is the, the rotation out. Um, and with the fall sets, I, I think it is. Yeah. Um, so so in this case, we're going to have a rotation out of Kaladesh, Ether Revolt, Amoncat, and Hour of Devastation. It's a large car group of cards. That's quite a quite a bit uh, that's Jeez. going out, yeah. and I assume that's going to take place at the same time as the actual uh, release of the uh, Guilds of Ravnica. So, which would be uh, not this weekend, but the following weekend. The I guess the first weekend in October. Okay, is when 
the actual official releases. So keep that in mind here. These things are rotating out. So presumably the prices on these are going to drop down. So I guess sometimes you'll see uh, a drop, uh, a, a, a commensurate drop with the anticipation of them rotating that usually starts six months prior to them actually rotating. So if they're about to rotate now is probably a really good time to start picking up. Exactly. Yeah. So start looking at some of these cards and thinking about picking them up because uh, this is a great time as, as they're actually rotating out. And I guess what happens typically then is people who are playing standard will dump their old cards to pay for the new cards. That's exactly right. So they'll probably dump out some of these. So uh, take a look for some of these. So my first pick on here, this card, it, it's a great card. There's no way around it. Uh, Highly used. It's only going to keep being used. You know it as Fatal Push. That card spiked up huge time when it came out, and it's it's been on the steady decline now. It's a little, still a little high for me. I, I'd hope it dropped down um, a little bit more. Uh, oh, yeah. It hit an all-time high of, of 975, but um, and it's it's on its way down now. But uh, it's an amazing card. Nice. I mean, it's a uh, an instant for one that destroys a creature and potentially a creature uh, an even bigger creature if you can trigger the revolt on that nice. uh, it's seen you know so it's played all over of this. Yeah, yeah it's played all over modern there's some standard legacy it's it's definitely a highly used card and yep. it's going to be great it's going to be great black removal uh, you can't it's a, an instant kill card for one mana for black yeah, that's I mean, great you can't go wrong with that i remember i actually got i had a play set of these and i sold them when they spiked and i made i don't know came back to like 20 dollars or so after that Pretty good. so it was it was a good turn on that so fatal push definitely nice. is going to be used in the future i uh, no doubt about it Nice. I know the Fatal Push was one of those promo cards, the uh, Friday Night Magic promo cards that uh, a lot of stores ended up, uh, again, resorting to the uh, the shady selling practices where they were supposed to be handing them out as uh, FNM promos. And, and uh, they were yeah. so highly sought after that uh, they were selling them for like $10 a piece on eBay and things of that nature. Exactly. If you can get the yeah. promo or you get a foil yeah. of it, uh, go for yeah. that. But I, I definitely say this is it's it's going to go back up and it's yeah. going to see wide play. Certainly in modern and everything else. Yeah, it's, that's exactly right. It's a great pick. Yeah. Moving on, uh, I've got another pick that um, I, I will admit, I, this is one that so far has actually lost me sort of uh, money on paper, so to speak. I haven't actually uh -huh. sold the card, so I haven't actually lost my money yet. Still but, got time. Uh, <laughs> still got, that's right. But uh, this is a card that um, is relatively tough to reprint, and uh, it is... It is a uh, Journey into Nyx card, and it is well, played... Two Journey to Nyx references in one episode. Oh, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> this is, uh, much I would have said pass on that box. Set. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, a, that's a for sure on that. But um, it's a toughie because it's one of, the, one of these uh, enchantment creatures. It's tough to reprint because it's uh, sort of unique, and, and those enchantment creatures were somewhat unique to that Theros. Uh, Theros block, and um, so it makes them a little tougher to reprint. In like, uh, uh, you wouldn't see that 
for example, in Guilds to Ravnica, things of that nature. And sure. it's a card that's played in uh, Mono Red Burn all the time in Modern and almost anywhere where Mono Red Burn is played. So even Legacy decks will see this, and it's Eidolon of the Great Revel. Mm, and, I, uh, I, I, I thought you might be going there. Yeah, yeah it's a great card. It's, it's a two-mana, two-two. And any time a player casts a spell with a converted mana cost of three or less, which is probably 80% of all spells in Modern, the Eidolon's going to deal two damage to that player. So when you're trying to race their life total down in a mono red burn, this card is fantastic. You know, I, I have I've been a buyer of these anywhere below $8. And now, you know, I have probably, I'm probably sitting on, Ooh, probably sitting on eight or ten of these, okay. and um, so I got a bunch already. But um, they're now at, at now at about three dollars and fifty cents. You can pick these bad boys up for, and um, they the reprint in Masters twenty five is what tanked their price so so strongly. They they were I want to say between eight and twelve dollars prior to that reprinting. Masters twenty five has destroyed the value of this Eidolon. And um, I think now is probably the time to start slowly gathering up your collection for these uh, at three dollars and at three dollars and thirty four cents. And you're going to probably want, you know, between two and four in your mono red burn. This is a card that's a great deal right now. I think I could see this going to eight bucks again after a while. And I think it might take a couple of years of no reprints. But um, this almost requires a master set to reprint because of its funny border and its funny enchantment creature type. So it's tougher to reprint in like a core set or a theme set. Uh, it almost has to pop out in either master sets or maybe maybe even commander. Something some funny some funny sets. But um, great card, a lot of utility. Three fifty, tough to go wrong. Great card, I like it. Yeah. To my next pick here, also looking at rotations and things going out, I had my eye on this card for a long time, and I'll be honest, it's I, the price has, has steered me away, and I because I didn't can't jump in on it early on, uh, but now that the you know prices are are on their way down, hopefully I definitely want to get in on this as soon as I I see some nice dropping. I, I'd like to see it at least. Uh, I don't know. I, I definitely under five would be my my ideal pick. But that is Anointed Procession, the white enchantment from Amonkhet. This card, I I like anything that has some sort of uh, effect with counters. And the Anointed Procession is a, a white version of, what is it, Hardened Scales, I think? Where if an effect would create one or more tokens under your control, it creates twice that many tokens instead. Oh yeah, the uh, the hardened scales. Adds, plus, uh, I want to say plus some yeah, plus some. Yeah. There's another version of this though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's. Oh, well, it's um. I know what you're talking about. It's the wild, Innistrad card. The, yeah, wild. Yeah. Wild pairing or something. Oh gosh. I can't think of it, but it has two wolves facing away from yeah, each other. Exactly. And, yeah, exactly. I can see parallel lines. Parallel, parallel, that's right. Yep. Yeah, parallel lines. Yeah. So anything I think has an effect like this, it's doubling tokens. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's great. I mean, there's yeah, so many things with tokens. There's always going to be token creatures. There's always going to be cards yeah. creating tokens. There's always going to be these kind of white weenie decks that are going to have, you know, mass tokens. There's always going to be white green. It's going to be great uh, effects. Yeah. yeah, there's entire decks like black-white tokens. Absolutely. Green-white tokens. It's like, you know, this, is, this is a great card to produce that effect. 
I mean, yeah, anything that has these kind of token effects that are doubling tokens, whatever the kind of token, you know, yeah. is a plus one or otherwise. I mean, look at hardened scales. I mean, that was, uh, was very cheap. And that's gone up to, what is it now, five, seven or so? Oh, I'm not even sure. I remember when it's, it was like, yeah. oh, wow, you're right. It's, it's yeah. gone substantially. And it was, you know, it was less like than a dollar card. Yeah, yeah like a easily. Card. Yeah. And I knew at the time that was going to be a golden card. So that's my pick, wow. too. I think oh. there's nowhere to go but back on up. Yeah, that's great. That is great. I think you're right about the token generation. It's like it's a theme that people love. It, it, it works uh, in both good decks and also importantly casual decks. People love token generation, casuals. So I've got uh, my, my final pick for the day here bonus is uh, pick. bonus <laughs> pick. That's right. This one is um, an oldie but a goodie. This card um, most recently saw. I want to say its first reprint. In uh, Masters 25. I keep coming back to these Masters and Iconic You like masters. the Masters. <laughs> you know, I, I do because I, I feel like um, they, uh, I don't think they're opened as heavily as the other standard packs because of their cost. And, and I think that they drive costs down, but I don't think they increase the amount of product on the market as much as people think they do. This particular card hasn't been print, reprinted since, I want to say, 1994. And um, it's a green card. Again, it's another commander card. Fantastic card for commander. It is regrowth. And uh, regrowth is, gives an ability that is an unusual one. It allows any card from your graveyard to be brought back into your hand for two mana at sorcery speed. So you're going to bring your best card back. And um, anywhere where you can play this, you're going to play it. Again, that's probably going to be commander. It, this card hasn't seen a reprinting since the 90s. It is now very inexpensive and can be had for about 40 cents. And um, that's a great deal. It's a great pickup. The um, the other version the re is, uh, I want to say, revised. Mm -hmm. And there might have been a commander printing of it at some point. But, um, I mean, this was unlimited and then revised. And I want to say now it's been reprinted once again. But uh, even the damaged versions of these revised cards were, you know, a, 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 you know, a buck fifty kind of thing. And, sure. And um, so for forty cents, I think it's tough to go wrong with regrowth, and um, just a great card all around. So that's my bonus pick. All right, my bonus pick, really quick, because we're about to, to shut it down here. Is this is kind of a a, a stretch one, but I like it because it's on the cheap side, and I, I think it. Prices show that it's going on up again, and I think it just needs the right combination to make it so. Is the uh, Scrap Trawler from uh, Ether Revolt? He's uh, pretty cheap. He's only a uh, three mana costing cre uh, artifact creature with three two, but he has kind of a unique graveyard effect uh, about returning artifacts from your graveyard. I, I think he's got a lot of potential, and there's something way that he can get broken that's really going to set him off. Uh, I'm not sure when it's going to happen, but I think he's definitely going up. And he's pretty cheap at the moment now, only at about $1.76. So nice. if he drops down a little bit more, go for it. I, I think he's still got nothing to go up on this. Yeah. Nice. Um, Excellent. Excellent. Very good. So I, I think that uh, wraps up our episode for this week. I think it does it. So. Very good. So going from here, we're going to shut it down, and may all your picks be profitable. All we'll right. We'll see you later. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.